0: In the name of God Father Son and Holy Spirit Amen. Amen. as a girl dad I'm learning to pay a little bit closer attention to the care instructions inside of garments in case you haven't noticed my wardrobe is fairly the same I don't pay attention anymore when you wash black you learn how to wash black day in and day out so i often take a load and i'll throw it in and give it no thought the other day however i tossed a few of my girl's things in with my things and after the load was done i pulled them out and much to my shock and horror one of the beloved favorite garments had shrunk i quickly wondered what i did wrong so naturally i thought well, i guess i probably should have looked at the tag and i opened it up and looked inside and realized that um, it was, you know, machine wash, cold, hand wash, and line dry only. I had thrown it in on a regular cycle with my clothes and hadn't given it any thought. As I put it on a table and began to reform and try to stretch it out to get the shape back, I thought, I need to pay closer attention to these things more um, in the future all these instructions that i'd never thought about before hand wash machine wash cold tumble dry low line dry only all these things that go with little girl's clothes that um, were not part of my normal repertoire of doing laundry and as i pondered that i thought if there were one care instruction for the soul that we often miss the most it would be handle humbly handle humbly now it's kind of Pondering that, it's something we need in a posture um, in our lives in all sorts and manners of ways, certainly, that benefits us in our relationships. But as believers, handle humbly is the chief care instruction, if we could put a tag on the human heart, that we need to keep us in a right posture before God. So this morning, um, if I could stretch that image a little bit, um, we'll look at three cycles, if you will, three lessons that help us handle our hearts, our souls humbly. Um, And we'll do that through our gospel reading that we've just read um, in Luke 17. So I'd invite you to open there with me as we reflect on this theme just a bit this morning. As we do so, remember, back in uh, Luke 9 is where Jesus, at least as Luke records it, begins to set his face towards Jerusalem. So he's in this journey towards Jerusalem. We know, of course, this side of the cross what awaits Jesus there, but there's all these wonderful moments and teachings and interactions of Jesus on his way there, this being one of them, as they pass, as we read in verse 11, uh, between Samaria and Galilee. And on the way there, Jesus entering this village... Um, is encountered by these lepers who are, as we read in verse 12, at a distance, lifting up their voices. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, due to COVID, we understand these distances perhaps now in these texts more than we ever did before. Um, Thankfully, we're not wrestling with leprosy to the degree at which they were, but the principles are there. They're they're removed from society. They're out and away so that that disease will not catch those in their local villages. Um, And thus, from a distance, they don't want to be missed. They don't want to go unheard. And so they lift up their voices, crying out to Jesus to have mercy upon them. And we see, of course, in um, verse 14, they did not go unnoticed. And when he, Jesus, saw them, his response is, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Interesting. Jesus doesn't touch them as he does in some healing instances. Um, He doesn't even proclaim their healing in that moment, but rather gives them instructions. And as they walk those instructions out, it's there that they discover healing that they've cried out to Jesus for. It's not unlike in the Old Testament as we reflect on Naaman and his healing that God brought through the prophet Elisha. Remember in 2 Kings, go wash in the river. It's in the obedience that the healing is found. I think there perhaps is a a lesson just to tease out for just a moment and and think about. Uh, First handle handle humbly instruction here for us and one of obedience It's kind of the Sudsy cycle that almost knocks off the default tendency of the human heart, if you will, whereby um, we often have default tendencies toward ourselves, towards our own ends and gains, our own ego, just even thinking around ourselves in this way that begins to move our posture in a bit of a different light. It takes um, this humility to actually walk out and interestingly, biblically, a lot of times to embrace or to take hold of the very promises of God. Think about how many times there's an action and obedience that's tied to actually being able to embrace whatever that promise may be. Jesus, for instance, in the the, uh, Lord's Prayer, um, forgive your trespasses as you have been forgiven. There's a conjoining of those two things. Um, we think about in James, right? Confess your sins and you often then find healing. Um, We think about so many other places. One cannot be my disciple unless one takes up their cross and follows Jesus. Don't be in a place of judgment on others. Leave that to God lest you bring that same judgment upon yourself, right? So many places there's an action in our obedience that we must embrace to discover the promises of God. Not always, but many times there are of conjoining of those things. Um, Because in many ways that reforms our our default desires, right? Um, Our default tendency may not be towards forgiveness, but forging on towards vengeance or unforgiveness in some way. Um, Our default tendency uh, is not to be conformed into the likeness of Jesus, but if left to our own, We often want to conform him to our own likeness and desires. So it's often that in the obedience, we grasp or take hold of the promises of God that assist us towards that end. So as we reflect on this, um, in many ways, there's this moment that helps us kind of take hold of what God purposes to do in and through us. And it's often through our obedience to him that we begin to discover that. And once we do, once we discover those things, indeed, um, we are forgiven as we forgive. Um, Indeed, um, we we are conformed more in the likeness of Jesus as we walk with him. Um, It's there that we begin to see, oh, wow, okay, these things really do change us. Um, And we discover what God has purposed for us. And so when we get to that place, in many ways, um, we are not unlike these lepers. And and there's a wonderful and ancient prayer our Eastern Orthodox brethren have have modified on this that reminds us that while we're not leprous on the outside, um, we could say our souls are leprous. Um, And in many ways, we, like they, lift up our voices and need to be reminded, um, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That was kind of that old, orthodox Jesus prayer that one would say um, just kind of throughout the day, to be in a place of humility before God, that we remember that, and that we remember that we've been forgiven, and we remember the things that Jesus has done for us. And in so doing, it should move our hearts to some sort of a response, which we see certainly is the case of one back in our text, if we look here in verse 15, where we pick back up. As they went and they were cleansed, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Interesting, here as we'll see in just a moment as Jesus pulls this forward, the only one of the ten who returns does the very thing that the Jews, by virtue of their name, quite literally did not do. The Jewish name or Jews in Hebrew, Judah, means praise. Not one of them comes back to praise God, but this foreigner, as Jesus will point out. Um, Why? We don't know. Maybe um, in fulfillment of the law and going to see the priest, which was the way that they would be readmitted into life and community, maybe they didn't want to be reassociated with Jesus because of what that might mean for them. Um, Having just kind of been reestablished, they knew that Jesus, of course, is turning things upside down, and they don't want to be pushed right back out again, perhaps. Maybe they're just so excited, quite simply, that they just ran back into life in their communities and with families and um, friends, and they just forgot all about it. We don't really know. But what we do know is only one returns, and returns with the exact same um, vigor in which He lifted up his voice to Jesus in the first place. This time, coming and putting his face on the dirt, a full prostration, a full moment of humility before Jesus, crying out, as the text seems to indicate, with the exact same loudness and boldness that led him to Jesus in the first place. This time, not saying, heal me, have mercy, but praising God for everything that God had done in God incarnate, in Jesus Christ. And so as we ponder that, there's, there's a natural theme, of course, of gratitude that emerges as we in obedience walk in the way of Jesus, as the way that he's given us um, that we only can do by his grace. And as we discover his promises, the healing, the forgiveness, all of the things that he purposes for us, um, it should move us to the same. Um, in many ways, this is what kind of washes over our souls time and time again as we remain in a place of gratitude uh, before Jesus. And we know this. We know what it means to be grateful. We understand that term, and, um, and we, we, it's not a hard one to really unpack. But it is a hard one for us to live out. Um, For those of you who've either spent time with kids or raised kids or been around kids, this comes as no surprise to you. Um, But a a psychologist was studying children and their responses and gratitude and noted that um, even when taught to say thank you, children only would spontaneously do that on their own about 7% of the time. Um, Now, All the other taught responses, hello, goodbye, quarter of the time, two-thirds of the time just came naturally. Gratitude doesn't just come naturally. In fact, um, even when continued to be taught, thanks had to actually be prompted over half the time from parents to their children. It just doesn't bubble up. And the most interesting thing they noted was that even when gratitude becomes ingrained, it's only then that the emotion of gratitude follows. It's only when we begin to get in the pattern of saying thank you Or giving thanks that the actual emotion of gratitude follows behind the action itself doesn't come naturally to us and thus we need the reminders from time to time um, that we are called to practice that as believers certainly before God for the chief thing he has done in Christ Jesus for us in the culmination of this journey as it will take place a few chapters later in Luke but a little bit longer down the road uh, upon the cross for our sake first and foremost, but and then, of course, in all the many ways that if we could just call to mind the things that he's done for us. It keeps us in a, in a place of humility because it keeps us in a place whereby we recognize that we in our own strength, in and of ourselves, can't really bring everything that we want, desire, or even need truly about in our own strength. And so it keeps us in this wonderful and delightful place. But it also really keeps us upon uh, looking out toward the end result, what God purposes to do. And that's where this text truly lands um, in verse 17 and 18, if we turn back there. Then Jesus after the Samaritan comes and gives praise, answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? He said to, that, to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, Jesus is not slighting the, the Samaritan here um, as being the only one and, and, and a foreigner in that way. In many ways, what Jesus is 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 embodying is sadness. So many times, um, you can call the images to mind of Jesus coming down off the Mount of Transfiguration, um, and what does he say? Oh, ye of little faith! How long must I abide with you? When he comes down to find the disciples trying to wrestle with this um, convulsing child and and bring about what this father desires. Even when Jesus gets to Jerusalem, what does he say? How I wished I could have gathered you under my wings, but you would not. For whatever reason, the ones to which he comes, the the Jewish people, um, do not have the faith in Jesus uh, for various reasons we know. But um, at this point, he's just saddened by the reality that they still do not get it. They still do not grasp it. But this one does. This one, this Samaritan does. Um, And this faith is not this generic hopefulness or winsome? some, you know, someday the sun will come out tomorrow or things will look up. Um, it's a very specific faith that Paul's talking about, a faith in Jesus that is looking forward to not just the culmination of all things, namely the restoration of the world and everyone in it on that final day, which is kind of a biblical term used, of course, throughout the whole of the Old Testament on that day, the day of judgment, but this man is healed, not just physically, but more broadly, uh, salvifically, if we could use that, make it an action item, right, a verb. Um, his, His faith has made him well because he's grasped the things that so many have missed, namely that God is indeed restoring all things, and not just way off then, but even right now. And this man sees the kingdom of God ushered in, in his own healing, there's these breaking force of the kingdom of God. It's a manifestation of what God is doing in Jesus Christ. It's an ushering in. And he's continuing that all the time. And so, in many ways, um, what this calls to mind, in and in perhaps a, a final uh, way for us, um, is, is where this verse 19 leaves off, this rise and go your way, or rise up. Um, yes, it does mean get off the dirt and, and get going, um, but it also has been read for centuries since then as a, as a as a as a point to the resurrection itself. Rise up and go your way into the new life that is given in Jesus Christ. So in many ways, the final kind of care instructions for our soul um, are, are is one of faith. It's, it's one that really kind of is like the spin cycle that almost just shakes up our world enough time and time again that we begin to see things as they truly are. Namely, not as what we see in the fallen nature around us, but by faith we grasp, or we begin to grasp, what God is doing in the here and now as he continues to break forth Into the world, uh, restoring, redeeming, renewing in in so many ways that we catch little glimpses of in relationships and moments, but ultimately are just pointing to the fact that every day the kingdom continues to come, continues to usher in as we pray. Even when we don't see it, we by faith take hold of that. So, in many ways, where does this leave us? I think what it should ask of us is um, where um, in this lesson, where in this topic of humility that's evident in these men, but is pulled forward as a lesson for us as well, do we um, need to spend some time? Where is our default not being walked out with the Lord? Where might one of these cycles, if you, wa- if you will, um, be ones that we're just missing? Um, or where am I? Uh, if it's an obedience, can we find small steps whereby that we um, begin to take hold of those things? Maybe forgiveness seems like an insurmountable task. Maybe finances is an easier start. Or maybe it's uh, walking in the Sabbath and keeping it holy. Um, Not just holy as set apart, but holy in a holistic way um, with the Lord. Where might we begin to practice small steps of obedience so that we can grasp that? And as we obey God, it keeps us in a posture under the one uh, who gave himself for us. If it's perhaps in gratitude, how might we begin to recount and praise God towards that end? What are the ways that we can do that? Um, one of our wonderful parishioners in our midst shared uh, with me uh, about a month ago that they have a stack of gratitude journals that they filled over the years, that they just write down one or two things a day. It can be huge things. can be an answer to prayer. It can be something small. The sun came out. Um, I had a new day. I could stand upright. There weren't aches and pains when I got moving around this day, whatever it is, just to keep her heart oriented daily in a posture of gratitude. How might we do that? As it pertains to faith, really faith is in persevering and persevering daily and walking with Jesus. Um, it's not something we just take hold of, but in the other ways, it keeps us moving forward closer to him, moving from fear Um, more closely in the opposite virtue of fortitude and persisting in the faith, whatever that may be, so that as we do these things, as we walk humbly before our God, as we handle humbly our hearts and our souls, we begin to discover that life fits. Rather than doing all these other things that kind of shrink up our soul or or tatter us or fade us out, um, these are the things that allows life to fit. Life fits when we walk in the way that God has purposed and intended for us. And as we do so, it allows us to persevere to the end, of course, and to borrow Paul's imagery and to finally cap out my my laundry image here. Um, It allows us to change this garment, this body, this life, having walked faithfully with him, for a glorious garment, a better garment, as we are transformed at that moment. Um, into Jesus' likeness as we enter his presence forevermore. So the day in and the day out are the cycles of life that keep us moving forward so that on that day we meet that day whereby we trade those things, one for something far superior through Jesus Christ our Lord. So may God give us the grace to walk humbly with him and to walk these things out before him so that we might be made as he is, more conformed in the image of likeness of Jesus Christ, our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.